Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. Today, I want to talk about family, and I want to specifically look at what happens to families. Sometimes families make great spiritual investments. Sometimes they make great financial investments in their children, but they don't get the results they want. Here's a guy in 2 Kings chapter 4 who was a godly man who loved his family, but he made some bad choices that led to some amazing places. 2 Kings 4, get your Bible open and learn some things about family. It will bless your life. Today we continue a study, we start a new study, and uh, this study is um, fascinating to me because it talks about family. And um, I was going to talk today about um, just what happened to our nation, and I just couldn't stop with that topic because I had to be more specific. We've started the year out with one question. The question is, if you look in the mirror, you're not the person you imagine you'd be, what happened? And so the first month we talked about what happened to me. The second month we talked about what happened to what? My money. Say it again. What happened to my what? Money. And now we're going to talk about what happened to our families. Next week we talk about what happened to our young people, to our children. And it's really important in this first few months of study that we, we analyze that person in the mirror and try to figure out how we can change it so that we don't end up in the same place in the future. And nothing's going to change unless you decide to change it. And so if you can back up with me for just a minute and think through your family and ask yourself, what happened? What happened to my family? Some of you said, my family is a mess. Some of you said, my family is pretty solid, pretty strong, pretty good. That's a, that's a wonderful thing to be able to say. But I believe that if we're honest, the one thing we, that went wrong with our family, and, and please notice how I worded this, our nation's families. Because I believe that if you fix the families, you fix the nation. It starts with the, those of us who live in households, changing our attitudes. The, the one thing that I think we've done wrong in family is we have made investments that have not turned out like we planned. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we have a family that made an investment a spiritual investment, and they assumed that that spiritual investment was going to, to make a great, great change in their life. They made a spiritual investment. And oftentimes when we make a spiritual investment, we think it solves all of our financial investments. But when you look at this family, you just, you're, they're shocked when I read you the story. You're going to be shocked. It, it, for them, it was, how in the world could we be such a spiritual people and have these financial issues? We made financial investments the father in this family did, but they didn't work out right. He probably thought, like a lot of us do, that if you make a, spirit, a, financial, a spiritual investment, it solves all your financial investment issues. God's going to work it out. There's no way that you can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, love God, a praying, spiritual person, committed to God, and have financial trouble. How in the world could that possibly be true? How in the world could your life end up in this cycle of challenge? Well, this is not about finances, the sermon, but I want you to see a, sur a, a study that I think is, in, is fascinating. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, 
Your servant, my husband, is dead. He's a son of the prophets. He's a preacher guy. He's following Elijah. He's spiritually engaged. But he's a financial wreck. Listen to what he said. The woman said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know, I put this in bold prints for you in the notes, that your servant feared the Lord. He feared God. I mean, this is a guy who feared God. Pause and think about that. This is not some flaky person. This is a praying person. Person who goes to church, to, to the temple. It's a guy that's totally committed. Nothing phony about him. But notice this. The creditor is coming to take my two sons to have to be his slaves. Some guy he owed money to before he died, he didn't pay back, and now the guy is cashing in. And, and in these days, they didn't have, you know, um, bankruptcy. They took your children. So some of you kids, if you lived in this day, you'd be in the visa jail right now. <laughs> They'd have you locked out. You had to work. You had some of you kids, say, I see you looking at your parents like, what in the world? That's exactly right. They came and got you. You had to work off the debt. And for many times, that was for the rest of your life. Imagine what the kids are feeling. It's really sad is a lot of times the kids don't even know what happened. There's an interesting study in the Bible about the impact that parents have on their children. Children were killed in the Bible because of their parents. Kids would suffer because of their parents. The choices you make can have long-term generational impact for years and years and years to come. And here you have this story of these two boys about to go off to prison, and they come to Elijah, and it's desperate. Please help us. You know he was a godly man. So first thing I want you to notice is godly people can get in trouble. <laughs> Excuse me. Godly people can get in trouble. They can get in bad trouble. And a common way they do that is because of money and debt. Now, I want to pause there and say that's the end of that story as far as what happened. No, no details are given as to how he got in debt. and It seems like that's not even important. What's important is how God fixes the family. And what we see are three things he does that fixes this family. Now, pause and think about this for a second. He's not asking them to tell a history, historical summary of what happened. It can feel really bad to have to tell everybody how you got there. As a matter of fact, some of you don't even know how you got in this mess. But here's what's great. He doesn't spend any time. Elijah doesn't say, well, sit me down and tell me, okay, what did he do? How did he, how did he get into debt? None of that. He just says, let me show you how to fix it. And the first thing he does is he starts with what they have. Listen to this conversation he has with the woman. It's fascinating. So Elijah said to her, this is God's method of fixing a family's issues. First thing he does is he starts with what you have available. Say that with me, please. Come on. He starts with what you have available. Say it again. Come on. He starts with what you have available. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you, what do you have in your, in your house? What do you have? She asked for help. He turns it around and says, okay, what do you have? One more time. She asked for help. He said, what do you have? He doesn't just take ownership of it. 
He doesn't just try to do it all on his own. We often think God's going to come in, take ownership of our financial life, take ownership of our grief or our depression, take ownership of our whatever, and he's going to fix it. So what we do is we pray about everything. Go to the altar, take, take it to the Lord in prayer, and leave it there. Okay, yeah, you take your, you take your, you take your car note to the altar and leave it there. They'll repossess your car. You take, you take the mortgage that you owe, leave it at the altar, and think it's going to be fixed. No. Please understand, he wants to know what do you have in your house. This is so amazing. Your maidservant has nothing. What do you mean, what do I have? I have nothing. Nothing in the house. All I got is a jar. All I got is a little, look, here's one, know what I have. I got a jar of oil. That's what I have right here. This is it. I got a jar of oil. You know what he says? Good. That's a start. So what do you have? Third grade education? That's what we start with. What do you have? A job that pays a minimum wage? Good. That's what we start with. What do you have? A family that's kind of broken? Okay, we'll start with that. We don't talk, but we live together. Okay, we can start with that. I mean, I want you to pause for a minute. I want you to understand this is how he works. This is the process. He does not start with what I have if we're talking about you. Here's what I think people do a lot of times. They, they want to meet somebody that's got a lot of money, a lot of whatever they think they need, fame or whatever, and they think, this is, this is what I need. If I can just get that, I'm fine. My life's going to be absolutely wonderful because I have this famous person in my life. And that's some of your goal. Some of your goal in life is just, I got, if, I, if I can get them, you can meet anybody. But it, it, it always has to start with what you have. It's what you, it's what you know. It's not just meeting me and you want to be a preacher, okay, but if you don't know the Bible, how can you teach? We're talking about you, right? This is, we got to start with what you have. And this is powerful because some of us really think God's going to do it all, and he's not. What do you have? A jar of oil. Good. Well, we're going to start with that. And then he says this. Watch this. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Do not gather what? Just a few. Verse 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. Watch what he says. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into those vessels and set it aside all, set aside all the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Amazing. Phenomenal. What I want you to do is I want you to take the vessel you have. We start with this. Now I want you to go beyond your family borders to get the balance of what you need. It starts with what you have, but it never ends in your house. If God's ever going to bless you, he's got to take you beyond your borders of comfort. He's going to include other people. I will never be successful alone. I will never, and I will never be a successful pastor alone. I'll never be a successful husband alone. I'll never, I have to, even if you're a single person with kids, you're going to have to include somebody else. He says, go outside your house and borrow other vessels. So imagine she goes from door to door, right? All of her friends, everybody in the neighborhood says, hey, can you loan me some vessels? Loan me some jars. And he says, what's going to happen is you're going to take the jar and you're going to take what you have and pour it 
in the vessel. And when you pour it, it will never run out. But you get one time. Go gather all you can. One time. Bring it in the house. Catch this. Close the door. Everybody can't come to the party. I have learned that success requires isolation. One of the biggest surprises for me is that if I'm going to be successful, I have to be alone. You will never be successful if you demand your friend's presence. You will always be limited. You will always have trouble. Don't get so frustrated when you're by yourself. You don't get that way when you get a check. <laughs> if I gave you $25,000 right now, today, and put it in your hand today, you know what you'd do? Say, thank you. This is a drill. You know you ain't getting it, right? right? <laughs> but if I gave you that $25,000 today, you'd get to the bank. What time in the morning when the bank opens? You'd be there at 9 o'clock. You'd be there right at 9, 8.55. Be right there early in line for the first one. Now, who are you going to take with you? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Ask your neighbors, can I go with you? Come on, say, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Not, not today. Not today. She said, no, you don't, I don't need your presence today. See, notice you don't want anybody with you. That's what success requires. Close the door. He said, close the door. Everybody can't see this. I've seen a lot of people who become celebrities, become wealthy business people, and they go back and get all their old friends, try to take them along. They can't go. It's really, it's really, it's one of those things that success requires. So anyway, so she, she goes in the house, gets everything she needs, and they start pouring. Now I want you to watch this third principle. Number one, starts, starts with what you have available. Starts with what you have what? Second thing that happens, he sends you beyond your what? Family borders. You got to go beyond your family borders. Everything you need is not in your house. You got to include other people. Thirdly, he prospers your family at the level of your willingness to gather. You gather 10 vessels, that's all you got. 50, 50. That's all you, whatever you gather. I am a professional gatherer because I understand the power of this principle. Look at verse 6. Came to pass, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. Now, they're getting excited because they start pouring and it's not running out. Whole room full of vessels. And they're like, oh, man, this is amazing. This is amazing. Let me make an observation I didn't make in any other service that I, I just forgot to make, but this is important. This miracle is only necessary because of that. This miracle is only necessary because of dad. This miracle would not be necessary if dad had not died in such debt. This crisis is because of that. I just want to make that point. That's all. Let's not shoot dad down. Maybe he got trapped. Maybe it was a raw deal. I don't know what happened. But I want you to see, God steps in, doesn't ask a lot of questions. He knows what happened. But this miracle is only necessary because of death. Well, she's happy. Fill up the vessels. And she says, bring me another one. They're dancing right now, right? And what's amazing is there's not another vessel. 
One of the boys says, hey, this it, it, Mom. There's no more. The Bible said, so they all did what? Ceased. No more. She prospered at the level of her willingness to gather. Now, you know what she said. Oh, man. I knew five more people. You know, I mean, you start thinking of all the places you could have gone, but the problem is you didn't gather anything else. Could it possibly be that in your life you right now have what you had the faith to gather? Could it be? You stop reading. You stop researching. You stop asking questions. Stop going to church. You stop gathering spiritual knowledge. You didn't give God anything to pour anything into. And so you're kind of wondering, well, what's, 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 what's wrong with my life? He says, well, you know, you kind of stop gathering. And now you want to blame God because you ran out of vessels. Like, hey, well, hey, I told you to gather all you can. You are involved in this process. It's not just me responsible for you. So in this moment, she's sitting there and she's looking at this. And so she goes to Elijah. Verse 7, she came and told him, the man of God, go and sell the oil, he tells her. Go and do what? I'm not selling it for you. You go negotiate your own deal. <laughs> Excuse me. Go negotiate your own deal. Go negotiate your own deal. If you get cheated, you get cheated. This is your money. This is your miracle. Negotiate your deal. You're in charge of it. I'm not doing it for you. And then when you get it, pay off your debt. Don't go party with this money. Pay off your debt. Get from under the thumb of these people. Change your life. Take this moment, this advantage, and change your life. You are in college pouring oil in a vessel. This is your moment. You're on a new job. You've got a promotion. It's a new vessel. A new opportunity. I want you to see how responsible he made her. I want you to see that she couldn't just pray about this. She had to be engaged in the process. God's going to bless you. You're going to be involved in the process. Your oil is going to be involved in the process. Your effort's going to be involved in the process. You're going to have to pour the oil. You're going to have to isolate yourself. You're going to have to make decisions. And you're going to have to sell the oil, negotiate the right deal. And then you're going to have to decide to pay off your debt. You're going to have to be a good steward of what you've been given. You're not excluded from this. You can't just pray and say, God, fix my life. It doesn't work that way. You can't just surround yourself with wealthy people and expect them to, to bail you out all your life. At some point, you've got to pause and say, okay, let me fix this. Let me tell you, three people were changed forever because of this moment. Three people, the sons and the mom. The boys were surely touched because they saw no one's blaming dad. However you got here, you got here. The big issue is what did you learn? And so now you say, well, pastor, that sounds like my story. Well, let's start with you. What do you have? What do you have that you can start with? Must we, must we dwell on what you don't have? That's not important. 
what do you have? Here's the deal. Your life is your responsibility. It's your gift of God to you. In this story, you see a woman whose family is turned into something she never expected. And so she's desperate, like a lot of you are, to fix it. And the, the, the big mistake you make is you assume it's somebody else's job. We do this with schools. We do this with our, with our communities. We do this with government. We think it's somebody's going to come in and they're going to just fix all of our issues. And that somehow we are, we are separated from having to be involved in the process. What I believe fixes the nation's issues is when families take ownership. It used to be that families felt responsible. You know, it, it's always amazing to me. <clears throat> if you send your kid to school and your kid's not doing well, you are mad with the teacher. That's astonishing to me. Can I ask you a question? Whose child is this? Whose oil is this? At some point, you have to pause and say, no, this is my child that I'm sending. And as a parent, you know, I, I want to say this. I know how you, how you can have a blind spot with your kids. You know, I used to, my kids would come home and they got an, a note or something. And uh, I would say, okay, listen, I got a note. I need to know what the deal is before I go down here. Don't let me be the dumbest one in the room. Because, you know, when they come home, they say, oh, daddy, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know, teachers are crazy. I don't know what happened, Dad. They teach you crazy, you know what I'm saying? Teachers are just off the rocker sometimes. I was in there praying. I was reading the Bible or something, Dad. I was talking to God, and, and I was talking out loud. And the teacher thought I was talking to my friend, but I was talking to God out loud. Uh-huh, okay. Back up and try that again. You were talking out loud to God about what? About music? Well, you, I mean, I want you to see there's this moment in your life when you have to take ownership and say, this is my oil. This is my family. This is, this, this is my issue. There, there's something about owning it and, and, and putting your arms around it and saying, okay, now, God, I'm going to ask you to give me vessels. Give me places that I can fix this. I, I, I need to engage with somebody outside of my comfort zone. And if we can, if we can grab a hold of that as families, we change everything. This is a story that teaches responsibility. This is a story that teaches you that you can't just make it somebody else's issue. And it calls you to say, let me start with what I have. So in your family, you're praying for the nation. But in reality, the nation should be praying for your family. If we fix your family, we fix everything. And I want to give you some ways that I've learned to help fix my family. Now turn it over. You ready? Here are four things that I, I do that help fix my family. Vessels that I use. Everybody say time. I invest time. I believe that's a vessel I can pour into. And I believe that they need to be, my family needs to be in my schedule every week. Every week. And there's something about that. I mean, this idea of vacationing once a year is wonderful, but you're not going to fix your family issues unless you're engaged weekly. Secondly, I believe in touch. I need to touch them verbally and physically. Do you understand the power of sitting at the table together without a TV on, without a device in your hand, and just 
being there. That used to be a normal part of life. Every, every evening, my mother would say, Rick, dinner is going to be at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. She was a single parent. And so she made sure that we sat down somewhere in the same vicinity and ate together. We've, we've gotten away from touching each other. Third thing we do is I believe in teaching, not lecturing. Not lecturing. You know, who wants to have, well, come on, kids. Pastor Rick said we need to teach, so I'm going to show you all something in the Bible that I read. You know, eschatologically in the Old Testament. Now, who cares? Don't lecture. You teach by being present, by sharing and loving. Everybody say time, touching, teaching, say traveling. And I want you to hear this. And traveling is about adventures. You know, you don't have to go far. You can go to the beach. You can go down the street. It's, it's all about creating an adventure where you, you're together. I pray you were blessed by today's message, and I hope you heard the big question, what happened to our families? Families can make great spiritual investments, great financial investments, and get it wrong. In our study today, we learned a lot about how to get it wrong and what God can do to make it right. I want you to get ready for next week as I talk about the importance of family and strategy. It's going to be a great study. You don't want to miss it because for a family to get it right, they have to have a plan. And in our next study, we're going to show you how to approach the planning part of your family. See you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.